Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are discussing a paper that's titled Effect of Cooling Blanket on the Heat Stress of Horses in Hot and Humid Environments. And this is by Yuki Ojima et al. And the simple summary for this study is that heat stress is a serious problem for livestock. While riding horses and racehorses spend the majority of their days in stalls or stables, there are few reports on the effective methods for reducing stall heat stress. The aim of this study was to evaluate the effectiveness of an ice horse blanket in hot and humid environments. So they had 20 healthy horses and they were measured first without the blanket and then they were measured with the blanket or vice versa in what's called a crossover trial. And Nancy and I'll delve into that a little bit more. But the blanket was designed to keep cooling from front to back, uh, cooling, sorry, the front back, the rear back and the loin. And the skin surface temperature of the front back uh, was decreased with cooling time in the blanket. Similarly, they saw respiratory rate and plasma cortisol level also decreased with the um when it was measured with the cooling blanket afterwards. So the blanket used in the present study had the advantage of allowing for gentle cooling of the horse's body without the use of water or fans. And they theorized that applying this methodology should enable effective reduction of heat stress, not only in horses, but also in other mammals that are kept in barns. So thank you, Nancy, for suggesting this paper because you'd come across it. But it was such an interesting read and I think an absolutely great application that we can use going forward. Yep, I think with Australia getting ready to go into their summer season, we're ending our summer season into fall, but our horses are already starting to get a little bit of a winter coat. So if we have a few hot days, I thought I was kind of looking for ways to cool horses that didn't involve having availability to electricity or water. And this kind of caught my eye because of the ice packets that were able to be put into the kind of, it was like a fly sheet type of a blanket. So, you know, with global warming, we have to come up with ways to cool livestock. Even cows have a sensitivity to heat and their sensitivity is almost greater than the horse. So I was really um, interested in the fact that the horses have the highest sweating rates of any warm-blooded animal. So they're double the rates of humans and they get rid of heat. 71% is through the skin and just 29% is through respirations. So I thought that was a fact that, um, you know, I did not know that before. In contrast, humans, 
get rid of heat buildup in the body via their skin. And that amount is 90% of the heat evaporation occurs through a person's skin. And then it's just 10% respiration. So that kind of caught my eye. And I thought, if anything, people can realize that ice is a wonderful modality to at least on the surface reduce that um, heat buildup. Um, I thought that was a really interesting fact too when it said twice the rate of like the highest capacity of human sweating, which I just, I absolutely love that because I thought when you're at your, your absolute peak, but um, why it's important to, like there was a statement that they made in this, obviously we're concerned about heat and excess sweating in animals in general, because that will lead to dehydration. And in hotter climates, um, even in our colder climates, you know, we talk about the danger of having dogs in cars or, you know, having them exposed to elements. We want to be really careful they don't end up in respiratory distress, that, you know, they get to that point of heat stress. But a really interesting point they made in this paper um, was from another study by Park et al. And they found that heat stress in industrial animals decreases productivity, but it also decreases immunity as well. So they're more likely to get sick and they're more susceptible to disease from heat stress. So I thought that was really interesting. And horses that are in stalls, um, even if they're in stalls most of the time, I know that we can have fans going and we can hose, but there are a number of issues that we kind of come into come into play with the options we currently have and an interesting one that they did point out was that we can't cold water hose in the stall because we don't want to make the bedding wet because then the horse will be lying in the bedding even just standing in the bedding they're more likely to get thrush or they're more likely to get hoof problems and just these little things that I wouldn't have thought about because I've never housed a horse in hot weather so I found this paper just so fascinating you know Ireland is a very mild, temperate, oceanic climate. <laughs> so, you know, we don't have extremes of weather one way or the other. And if we do, you hear everyone complain instantly because we're not cut out for extremes one way or the other. Um, but I, what I thought was interesting, too, is they mentioned um, mist fans and sprinkler curtains And I think we mentioned this in a previous study, Nancy, with the horses that were out in the paddock that were seeking shade. And didn't they walk under like a sprinkler curtain set up, if you remember? They had misting fans and they ended up really heading more for the shade. Was that the one where they had sunlight, shade? misting fans or curtains and they opted to be uh they were more restful in the shade so um that was an early episode i think that was in season one which um i'll look that up and put a link on the home page but uh, you know i tend to use fans in the stalls in the summer I don't like the electrical component of that because mm-hmm. I'm always cringing when you've got horses in stalls and the electricity is on. 
so much. And I try to buy the fans that have closed housing because they're supposedly kind of water resistant as much as possible. But uh, sometimes it's hard to to get them, especially we had some shipping issues this year. So um, I, I just like the fact that you could cool them down with these ice blankets um, if you had you know no availability for hosing and I do hose but not in the stall I take them in a wash rack hose them I don't squeegee them I put them back under the fans for that evaporative cooling and in this paper I thought it was interesting that the rectal temperature after the ice blanket was not lower so it probably cooled them more surface wise but core cooling I'd wonder if it really took place or not so um, they did say in here that the horses that had been hosed had a lower rectal temperature um, from another study they they found that but they did not do that in this study so I'm going to have to start taking temperatures before and after I hose to see if it does affect core temperature over time because that would tell you if you were really getting a proper cooling yeah and then I suppose the two kinds of elements to that as well as though um I, I think like obviously horses are a bit more amenable to rectal temperatures but I think in dogs and cats we try and avoid unnecessarily mm-hmm. um, rectal temperature taking rectal temperatures just because it can um it can just be irritating or you know I suppose anytime we kind of irritate them we risk stressing them to a degree but if they're normally used to doing it then I think yeah. that would be a good indicator but what would be interesting too is because you can overdo it with cold hosing them. So the rectal yeah. temperatures would come in really handy there. And actually planning out your day when you're in those intermittent seasons, if you if it is a hotter day and you are going cold hosing them, plan the timing that you're doing it in the hottest points of the day between like 12 and 3 p.m. You don't really want to be doing it later into the day because in those intermittent seasons, like where we're coming into winter, you can have those rapid falls in temperature and you don't want them being too cold basically overnight because you've lowered their body temperature, putting them back into the stall. Yeah, and especially the ones that have already started to get that undercoat coming in you Mm -hmm. want to make sure there's plenty of drying time for that and fluff them a little bit I do that even if they're out in a cool rain I'll bring them in and and fluff them with the groomings uh, you know curry combs so they're able to get good flow and dry um, before the temperatures really go belong that thermal regulation amount which I thought that was pretty good too that thermo neutral zone in horses mm-hmm. I always knew it was under 41 degrees that in the cold they lose calories or they burn calories I should say so the thermo neutral zone for horses were 5 degrees celsius to 25 degrees celsius which would be 41 degrees fahrenheit to 77 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the range that horses are most comfortable. Anything below 
their burning calories, anything over their burning calories. So that explains why horses can lose weight in the winter, but as well as during a hot summer, they can lose conditioning too. Yeah, and that's the the environmental temperature, the five mm-hmm. to twenty five degrees. Yeah, yeah. Um, just in case anyone is doing a rectal temperature yeah. and is is oh, prone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the rectal temperature should be about thirty eight degrees Celsius. Yeah, and um, give or take half a degree, but somewhere yeah. around there. And it depends too, like that. You know, knowing what's normal for your horse is so important, and even. Little things like when we're talking about heat, the heart rate and the respiratory rate is going to tell you a lot as well. So get used to what's normal for your horse. And I'm sure at this point, our listeners from the beginning will be so sick of hearing this. But write it down and have those have those notebooks, you know, in your yard where you have a little page on each horse or um, depending on how much time you have to dedicate to it, a little section in a folder where you write these things down because We've mentioned before, if at the drop of a hat, you need someone to come and look after them, then you literally have like a recipe book of how to keep this horse alive, essentially. Yeah. And also just a clipboard on that you use for each horse. That's what we do in, in the training barn. We first thing every morning, we take a temperature. And if they have an elevated temperature, we notate that and they might not go gallop that morning because we know something's wrong. Something's not right. And you can always look what their normal usually is. So, um, and they're always a little higher in the hot summer than what they would be during a cool fall day or autumn day. So, um, but anyway, I definitely would encourage that. Know what your horse's normal is. And then you'll be much quicker to react when something is abnormal. And just to note as well, um, when they did this, you can, is was this, it is open access. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can look up the paper to see a picture of how they kind of set up the rug, but the uh, ice packs are on the outside of the rug. So it's really important that we don't place ice packs um, directly against the skin. You have to have a buffer layer in between because you can cause like a freeze burn in the area that you place it. So there has to be material or fabric in between the ice pack and the horse. And so you can see a nice picture if you do go onto the paper of how they've basically kind of sewn them onto the outside of this light fly blanket. I think that was a great idea. And then to put it on, they put them in a grooming area that a horse is used to. Now, there was one horse that went out of control. I'm probably freaking out because of the blanket. It was 20 pounds um, as far as weight goes. I think it was uh, nine kilograms. So maybe a little heavier than what they would normally be used to in a blanket. But I thought it was really nice that they took them to an area where it's usually a relaxed area for them to be groomed and they're probably used to being blanketed there as well i read um this next sentence nancy and i thought of something you said i think maybe a year ago so (laughs) no (laughs) no it it was it was actually really interesting so they horses that are overcooled can develop colic and then i remembered you saying that um you know about the pools 
swimming the horses in the pools. Did you say something about there were horses that were getting colic from that? They can, and it deals uh, more with um, the intestines if they have of the buoyancy. Yes. So I have known people who have swam their horses, like they're trail riding and they go into a river or a lake where the horses can swim. And then they'll post the next day, their horse had is colicking. And then when we did the water treadmill episode, one of the pros to using a water treadmill was that those intestines did not become buoyant because the water doesn't come up that high. And I put two and two together. And I did back then have a Google uh, Scholar search on swimming and colic and there is a correlation to that so um you know i wonder we must have a look at um the papers for that because this made me think what was the ambient temperature in the pools yep yeah because i wonder if that plays a role too were they kind of cooling down a little bit too much when they were in the pools too but maybe they i mean they're moving in the pools so they should be generating some heat but um it did. It just kind of brought me back to what you'd said before. And I thought, oh, that might be interesting to have a look into. But, you know, uh, it's so odd because I deal with over, you know, overheated horses on the track. Through the years, I've dealt with maybe a handful of horses that did not tolerate racing in the daytime very well at all. And uh, severe cases, we always put their head in ice And the whole theory of that is that the brain mechanism that controls temperature or the temperature control center is in the brain and to ice that down. And then we would also ice down um, like the um, veins, certain veins kind of using the cooling as antifreeze going through an engine. So pack Mm -hmm. the neck in ice, pack the head in ice. When a horse collapses on the track and you suspect heat stress, boy, that ice comes out. And then we totally cold water hose them. So I was surprised about that statement that cooling the abdomen, they know has can result in colic. I have never heard that before. And I was really surprised because um, it, and they did say if the body was overcooled, but I don't know. I imagine in your cases, you probably just brought them back to what was normal. It's, It's amazing how just cold water hosing the neck, the um, between the legs where those large veins are, Mm -hmm. the jugular vein, you know, cold water hosing that it's amazing how they'll get right back up again. And they may be a little wobbly, but you continue to walk and hose and let them drink. And it's like a wilted flower that comes back. So somewhat scary when it's going on, but you know, I, we have never lost one to being uh, heat stressed and we just do the proper protocol for, you know, kind of bringing their temperature down. And um, I think a lot of them had probably 105 Fahrenheit temperature, maybe a little more, not much more though, because they can't survive a certain temperature 
But, um, you know, they all came back. But I was shocked when I saw that about a horse being overcooled. I wonder what happens. Like, I've got some that when it snows, they roll in that snow and (laughs) snowstorm. But you know what? Their bellies are always dry. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? They won't lie down in it. They won't really get that saturation. And how often do we see a horse in a blizzard with like four inches of snow between its ears? And they're, when you brush it off, they're completely dry. Under yeah. It's like that, that poofiness of their hair coat. So, but um, anyway, yeah, we need to do to revisit that paper about swimming and colic and maybe do an episode on that. I just remember we interviewed Tom from the um, aquatic treadmill. Arts and the classics, yeah. He brought that up and I thought, I did not know that. So I Google searched those papers and sure enough, there's been a lot of research done on that. It's a very interesting topic. I think you hit the nail on the head as well with, um, you know, how scary heat stress can be in horses I I mean I've not actually seen it in horses but I've seen it in dogs and I've seen it in cattle where the cattle collapse we had one very hot summer here a couple of years ago and oh my god like the the heat soared so quickly that the animals couldn't acclimatize and we had a number of um, call outs for cows I was still nursing at the time cows that had gone down in the fields and um, owners calling horse or with dogs that had suffered were suffering heat stroke and it was just it's so stressful it's it's this kind of like initial you're staying calm but inside your like panic mode to get yeah. their temperature down as well, quick as you can because it is it's fatal so quickly Well, and a lot of times, you know, I'm up there getting the horse off the track. One time I was in the winter circle with the horse. And when they took the saddle off and we headed back to the test barn, she collapsed onto the racetrack. I thought she had a heart attack. And we just started uh, spraying her because that's all we had available was cold water hose at the winter circle. And they brought ice in and dumped it on her head and neck. And I tell you what, it was not even three minutes and that horse was trying to stand up again. So um, we did have her um, some IV electrolytes and hydrate put in back at the test barn um, for safety. But, uh, you know, for the most part, and she always, she was a black filly. And always so heat sensitive that we only ran her in the evenings or nighttime after that, because she continued to have um, another episode on a warm day. And we said, that's it. We're not going to run her anymore in the middle of the day. She just can't take it. Yeah. um, But there is an interesting Um, They talk about in this paper, temperature humidity index for uh, horses being 76 and 78. So the calculation for that was so complex that I thought I have kind of a little calculation that you, um, for example, it's 80 degrees 
and the humidity is 50%. So when you add those together, your number's 130. At less than 130 or 130%, horses can be ridden as long as you make sure they're properly hydrated. And then from 130 to 170, you have to be cautious because at that point, your horse's ability to cool itself will be compromised by the combination of the heat and humidity. And then at 170 or above, so say you've got a um, 90 degree day and you, know, you add a 60% humidity to that, you just... It only takes about 15 minutes of moderate exercise to raise your horse's temperature to a dangerous level. So I have this on a little placard in my barn. So I don't forget it. I don't send them to the racetrack or ride them at home when these calculations are, are met. And so 130 and less, no problem. 130 to 170, be careful. And then 170 or above, no exercise that day. That's a great rule of thumb to be yeah. able to have. I wish I could tell you the Celsius conversion. <laughs> I know. Um, I cannot do that in my head. But for those of you listening, if you are interested in the Celsius, you can type it into Google. And, and um, Hopefully, this was Fahrenheit, but hopefully there is a Celsius um, you know, equation that would be easy for you to remember. That's interesting, Kate. I'll have to have a Google of that and see if there is something in the UK comparable because this is on the AAEP or the equine practitioner website that you can get this uh, formula. And I tell you, it's worked. It, it really has worked. Yeah. So it's just good to have a little rule of thumb. But then I think, well, I suppose here we don't, we don't tend to reach those temperatures, but you know, that said, I, it is, it is individual too, isn't it? Because, yes. yeah. you know, you might have that one thirty rule, but if the horse is an import from a cold country, then caution, let them acclimatize. Yeah. Or um, if, if you're in the industry of importing horses from Scandinavian yeah. countries. <laughs> Well, and sometimes if you have a no a horse that's an anti-sweater or does not sweat, you know, yeah. then you have a real problem because the horse can't cool itself. So then no, it would even have to be less uh, humidity and temperatures for the horse to be adequately exercised. So um, there's a lot of variables. You're right. It, it is individual and each person have to has to kind of assess their own horse's behavior and physiology. But one thing you definitely could do is make one of these blankets quite in a, yes. inexpensively because that was the conclusion of the paper is that applying this methodology should enable effective reduction of heat stress. And that's not only in horses, but in other mammals too. So um, you could, if you look this up, take a look at the photos, you'll see that it's, you can make little pouches and sew them onto um, a fly blanket and make your own effective cooling ice blanket for your horse, which would be really useful because they found that the blanket did decrease heart rate, respirate, and skin surface temperature, and that plasma cortisol level, which is our indicator in the blood that um, the animal is stressed. 
but as Nancy said, didn't take down uh, rectal temperature. So core cooling probably isn't as effective. But overall, it's more effective than using those mist fans, using jewel fans, using the curtain sprinkler method. They found that this, you know, seems to to work best. So definitely a solution that won't use too much electricity. You're going to have to freeze the ice packs. But <laughs> yeah. that aside, it's maybe a little bit more economical too. No. I think it was just such an interesting paper and... It's great for, obviously, those in the Southern Hemisphere that are heading into their hotter weather. And then for us in the Northern Hemisphere that need a project over the winter and feel like making some blankets. Did you see also it didn't lower leg temperature? But, you know, that didn't bother me as much because on the racetrack, you know, we put them in ice anyway. We stand them in and a yeah, lot you have to still hose their legs like yep. their yep. legs are just it's just always been I mean gut aside one of the tricky parts of the horse yep. um that yeah they pointed that out legs are you know they're kind of an area of their own where we're gonna have to still hose them down or still cool them um but I would imagine like doing this I imagine you wouldn't have to cool them as much you know I don't know if that's even it's just thinking about this I don't know if it's got evidence base behind it but <laughs> keeping keeping the horse overall cooler you might find that you can have more control of that you wouldn't have to maybe hose them as often through the day and maybe it's stomping flies too that create a little bit more heat in in yeah. the lakes in a pleasure barn or in a riding barn not in racetrack we know we have inflammation and and issues yeah. but that's a good point Kate you know it it's definitely something I was not aware of so I'm glad we could discuss it and if anyone has any recommendations or areas that you want us to look into let us know and um, keep an ear out for when we do the swimming pool one that <laughs> The idea has been born from this episode. And I think that's everything I had for this week, Nancy. Me too. So thanks so much for joining in. And uh, this was a fun discussion. So we'll be back next week. Thanks, Nancy. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.